Welcome to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Basics Podcast. We're just two childless millennials who love Disney, Harry Potter, traveling, and all things basic. My name is Sarah Beth Miller. And I'm Caitlin May. And together, we're just two childhood best friends who catch up weekly about theme park news and different topics that we face in our late 20s. Well, hey there, Magical Basics. Hope you guys are having a good Monday. It's been a very interesting week. Katie, you just had a job in D.C. Yes. Apple finally had their iPhone event. Yes. And pre-orders are finally available. Except for the phones we want. Rip. (laughs) Oh, and I finally watched Hamilton. Oh, thank (laughs) the Lord Jesus. And I have some thoughts. Yeah, so let's get into this episode all about Hamilton and Broadway in general. And be warned. That Katie's inner theater child is going to come out this episode, so definitely grab some popcorn. Yeah, you're going to need a snack. All right, so let's get into the booms and busts for the week. Uh, So my boom this week was I had a great trip to D.C. this week. Uh, It was honestly so nice to get to work again, especially to get paid again. Um. That was real nice. But, like, let's think about it. I've been off of work for seven months now. So, yeah. It's been interesting these last seven months, that's for sure. Um, I also got to see some friends that I work with that I should have seen for, like, five months straight this year, but I didn't. And my aunt and uncle live in D.C., so I got to see my aunt. So that was very nice. Um, my uncle is away working abroad right now and I was supposed to spend a majority of the year with her cause I was going to stay and work. And so she's been very lonely. I felt very sad that she's been by herself. Um, so it was nice to see her, but my bust <laughs> is I am very out of work shape. Okay. Thank you. Quarantine. You gotta know when you're on one of these trips, I clock like eight miles a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. And DC, she got some hills. Okay. Oh, She's yes. not flat. Oh my God. I hate how hilly DC is. Yeah. If you've never been there, She's not a stroll in the garden. She's, oh, no, she's not. She's a nice little hike, okay? Especially in Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, my God. Uh, those are brutal. Those are some brutal hills. They are. They're so, really steep. No, like 100%. They are very steep. Um, So I'm very tired, very out of work shape. Like I said, I haven't done this in seven months, and I've been in quarantine for a majority of those seven months which means sitting on my booty and working on my computer right and not really walking and eating chips so it was an interesting week but it was good what what was your week like i mean i don't really think i have a boom this week to be honest i've just been coasting coasting (laughs) doing work feel that um but my bust (laughs) My best is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I'm just going to let you know. Okay, I'm very intrigued by this. I didn't know this was a thing. What do you mean? Well, you can say it, and then I'll ask my question. Okay. Well, Delta is starting to lose her puppy breath, and I swear 
They should make a candle with that smell. Okay, insert Katie's question. Okay. Does puppy breath smell good? Question mark. Depends. So, if you're weird like me, yes. But if you're a normal person, probably not. What does it smell like? I don't. (laughs) Question mark. You know, you know how people are like, they'll like bring you a baby. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You can clearly tell we don't have children. You know know when people bring you a baby? (laughs) You know when like people, they're just like, here, hold my child and they're like, smell its head. Yeah. Yeah. People smell babies. Yes. Okay. That's how I feel about puppy breath. Okay, I don't want to smell your baby's head, but, like, <laughs> you have a puppy, I will smell its breath any day now. I'm um, so intrigued. I did not know that this was a thing. Um, also, my other bus is that, so I know we talked about, I talked about, like, my static nails, like, mm-hmm. the press-on nails. They kind of fell off um, already, and it's kind of been about a week. That wasn't long. It wasn't long, but I do feel like. If I wasn't washing my hands a million times a day or using hand sanitizer, which will basically yeah. unbind the nail glue. Yeah. Or, you know, like packing over a thousand boxes. I feel like they would have lasted a little bit longer. I think once we're kind of done with the majority of our boxes, I may try to redo them soon and be a little less harsh on them and see. That's fair. But I will say that these lasted a lot longer than what the impression nails were. So mm. that is a plus. I mean, honestly, I could really just glue them back on. I'm just not going to. I'm just going to, like, get a fresh set kind of thing. Right. Because, like, you have the glue buildup and things like that. So I'm just yeah, gonna, Yeah. I'm just going to do new nails. So what are we, like, obsessing over this week? So uh, Sarah Beth and I have recently found the most precious little Disney couple and I have been obsessed with them this week. Their names are Kells. Her name is Kelsey, but like Kells for short. And John. And I've been watching them while doing like paperwork and stuff like that. Like just kind of in the background. Um, I just find their content super pleasant and sweet. Like they're just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They I have agree. like that air about them. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's just super like light-hearted content i've really enjoyed watching them. they're they're easy to watch <clears throat> yes for sure um yeah i agree i it was crazy because like we found them like they came up on my youtube channel like a, yeah a suggestion and then i was talking to katie about something when we were talking about our favorite disney youtubers and i was telling her how they like commented back and she was like wait she was like i found them on youtube too like yeah showed up i was like a couple days later yeah, I follow several hashtags on Instagram. Oh, you found them on Instagram. And they just happened to hashtag one of the, like, tags that I follow. And I was like, oh, they look super cute. And so, like, I started scrolling through their stuff. Like, just organically and separately, we both found them pretty much in a matter of, like, two days of each other. And... Yeah, we've just been watching them. I don't know. They're super cute. If you want to watch like a precious couple who absolutely love each other go to Disney, then yeah. they're they're your people because they're so precious. They are very precious. I I love their <clears throat> channel. So what have you been obsessed with this week? 
Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I I mean, I don't I don't have an obsession this week. It's been a week where I have a bunch of things that I have to catch up on. Mm-hmm. So, I've really just been working like all day every day. Yeah. And just kind of like like I said last week, it was a lot of things are like happening behind the scenes, so I'm prepping for a lot of stuff. So, mm-hmm. I've just been catching up on things. So. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I pretty boring. I'm pretty boring this week. The only highlight was that I watched Hamilton. Dude, that's a great highlight. Okay. Yeah. So, since we're talking about Broadway this week, I guess it's time to announce that Broadway is officially going to stay dark here in NYC until May of 2021. Katie is not okay. I think, honestly, that includes, like, the traveling shows as well. Yeah, it is. It's included, yeah. Um, I yeah. guess, you know, to be honest, like, I get it. But, like, at the same time, yeah. it's it's really sad. Yeah. Because yeah, not really much else to do right yeah, now. Yeah, we so like- Sarah Beth and I and Tyler, we were talking about this before we were recording. Like, we totally get it. I've I've put on productions. I understand how expensive it can be. Like even at like as low capacity as it would be, it's it's just not worth it to mount a show. Like you're gonna lose money if right. you can't fully pack that theater. So it's sad, but I, it's not unwarranted. Yeah, and I mean, if you've never been to a Broadway show, like let me. <clears throat> the theaters are small. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. really small. It's not, at least here in New York City. I know when people go to like traveling shows and things like that, sometimes like they're yeah, in a bigger, bigger. venue. <clears throat> they tend to be in a bigger venue. There's no way you can properly social distance. No, there. No, and you also would, it's, you would be forced to be at a small capacity in New York, and it's just not. Yeah, and there's no like for what you're paying to rent that theater alone. Oh yeah, you would lose an astronomical amount of money if you and, weren't at full. But capacity. here's the thing. Here's the thing. When they are able to open again and it is safe to resume these activities, these are things that are – people it's gonna are going to be popping. It's going to be popping. Like, ticket prices are going to go up. So, like, Absolutely. Just, be, just be aware of that. Like They will make it back. The money they are that gonna they make lost it back. this year, they will make it back. Um, we actually do have some good news about Disneyland for once. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty <laughs> it's sure been this doom is- and gloom for a while now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that this is, like, the only – good news from disneyland in this in this <laughs> this whole ever. history of the podcast um disneyland has it's basically a step in the right direction means that it's possible mm. that so here's the thing it's been closed and you know whatever but here's the thing like disney still had to negotiate with union 55 out of california so they right. finally came to an agreement that food and beverage cast members can return to war return to work whenever the parks actually open. So that was another thing that people weren't realizing as well. Like Disney could open, but like, you know, if the governor was like, Hey, yeah, you can open. Disney still couldn't open because they weren't done with union negotiations. Right. So they needed that time. So I think because governor Newsom is taking so long to give them guidelines and things like that, they were just like, Hey, we're going to negotiate a new contract and just have that all set in place. So that way, when we do get, guidelines we can just open mm-hmm. so speaking of governor newsom <laughs> i 
our yeah. buddy. Oh, he's such a buddy. And to be honest, like I don't know anything about his policy. No, so me I can't. I can't really like talk bad about him. I no, mean, I don't doing, know. I don't know anything. He's honestly doing what he feels is right for his state, and that's right. completely fine. You I, have to honor that conviction, yeah. But Californians are now petitioning to get Disneyland to open. Disneyland, Disneyland to open. But Governor Newsom is saying that they will just they'll let us know when they're ready. Which is such a cop-out answer. Yeah. So, like I said last week, don't expect Disneyland to open in 2020. No, I'd be really surprised if they did. Honestly, me too. Like, Like it'd be a miracle. If they were like, hey, we're going to open December 1st, I'd be like, no, you're not. Yeah. (laughs) I hate to break it to you, but you're not. But in typical Disney fashion and bad news that comes out of Disneyland, California, two prominent shows will be closing for good. Mickey and the Magical Map, which we saw a similar show in Hong Kong, and I'm really sad about this because if it's very similar to the one in Hong Kong, which I believe it is, I haven't yeah, seen I them. think it is. I think this is actually the English version. Um, it's a really good show, and it's really sad that it's closing because, like, it's really good. And then also, Frozen Live at the Hyperion Theater will also not be returning when the park reopens. So the one that was different, so the the difference between California and Walt Disney World is Frozen Live is like pretty much Broadway quality in California, yeah. whereas the one here in Florida, the one there in Florida, is like a sing along. So there's right. like, you know, other just things. like a little show, yeah. like a little. You listen to this podcast, you know what we talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really sad that basically those won't be returning. People have stated that it's going to be permanent, but I don't believe that's true. I hope it's not because we I, saw Mickey in the Magical Map and it was really cute and I really loved it. I and really a lot loved of people it. are devastated. I really loved it when we saw it in Hong Kong. It was a little hard to watch because it was literally in Mandarin, understandable <laughs> with English subtitles, but like it was really good. I think the only part that was in English was when they sang "Happily Ever After," and I remember me realizing that it was "Happily Ever After," and I told Tyler I was like, "This is "Happily Ever After." This is what they play at the fireworks," and he's like, "No, it's not." And then like I started singing it, and he was like, "Oh, oh it God!" Is. <laughs> he was like, "Oh God." So, I don't think it's going to be permanent. I think it's going to be permanent for a little bit. But yeah. I think once the parks can actually, like, recruit, recoup and basically get back to where we were, where they were, mm-hmm. these shows are going to start returning. Yeah, I hope you're right. I really hope that that is what is happening. I mean, if not, like, what are they going to do? Just leave those leave those buildings empty? Like, that like, makes yeah. no sense. So, yeah. why would you why would you have to spend... You would basically have to have Imagineers work on something to replace it. Right. And that makes no sense. Right. Because you're laying off a lot of Honestly, it's just creating more work. Right. So that makes no no sense. So I think it's right. just going to be a temporary, temporary permanent thing. Yeah. Honestly, if there's any type of renovations or anything like that that needs to happen in those buildings, kind of like the Little Mermaid and things like that. Now's the time to do it, man. Now is the time to do it. So... You ready to get into this episode? Oh, I was born ready for this I will, episode. I will say this disclaimer again, I said it, and I said it last week. If you have not seen Hamilton, we will be discussing spoilers. Yes, and lots the show, of them, okay? Specific ones. Very specific. <laughs> and the show Someone in Depth. 
So if you haven't watched it like me until recently, or you kind of want to keep it spoiler free, we'll we'll catch up with you next week. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Katie's like, bye. Bye. All right. I want to know your thoughts right off the bat. You watched it today, right? Yes. Okay. So like literally same day watched. Now we're going to talk about it. I want to hear like, just like your unfiltered kind of like brain dump, like just first impression. Okay. So I thought the show as a whole was amazing, but it Mm. did kind of lose me a little bit in the second half. But honestly, like most movies or shows usually kind of do anyway. I feel like I maybe should have watched it in parts instead of, you know, just like all at once. But fair. But, I mean, like, if I was going to see it in person, like, I wouldn't be able to be like... It would I'm be not all gonna... at once. It would be all at yeah. once. I do see how the show got its cult following. Side note to that. Do I think it was worth a crazy high ticket prices? Short answer, absolutely not. I do think that they skyrocketed ticket sales because they were constantly selling out shows and capitalizing on the fame and the well-known actors that were in the original cast. But you will not catch me paying those prices to see it. Absolutely. And I mean, quite honestly, a lot of the actors, like Jonathan Groff was really the only like A-list for Broadway. Okay. A-list for Hollywood and A-list for Broadway are two very different things. Right. But like, other than that, like, Mm -mm. no one really knew these people. Like. Right. And I feel, I feel like when we were trying to watch, actually watch Hamilton, when it became, when it like came here and was like, actually came off, off of off Broadway onto yeah, Broadway. When it got on to Broadway. Yeah. I feel like tickets were $2,000. Oh, ticket. 100%. 100%. Absolutely not. 100%. They were. Absolutely not. It was not. They worth- were that expensive. If you were going to Chicago or, or anything like that, not original cast. Yeah, I feel like that is like people were insane. just trying to get their hands on whatever they could. And okay, like the show, the show was good. Don't don't get me wrong. Right. But I would absolutely not pay those prices. Absolutely no. not. I mean, I haven't seen it in person. Like <laughs> I haven't seen it in I'm person. I'm a either. very large Broadway head and I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> At some point it's a little I'll ridiculous. <laughs> I do also love that the cast was all people of color. Because it's taking a narrative of our history and showing it through Americans today. Mm-hmm. Lynn Manuel, Lynn Manuel, Manuel, Manuel Miranda. Yes, I can never say his name because it's he's so kind many of words. a tongue twister. Yeah, it's so many words. <laughs> um, Let's call him Lynn. We'll just call him Lynn for the rest. Lynn, of the episode. you know we're, we're on, on a first, first name basis. basis. <laughs> we're on a first name basis. Lynn has said in this interview that he wanted to tell America's story with with basically the future of America. Mm-hmm. So I do. I, I like that because it also, it proved that, because here's the thing, American history, which we'll get into like the theories and all of that later, American history was basically all privileged white men. Oh, 100%. Alexander ha- Hamilton was actually an immigrant. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was very prominently white, but he wasn't Yeah, immigrant. I mean, he, he was Scottish, but yes, he, so, he was not American. So it's. The fact that they didn't put this whole cast as white people. And that would have made it more historically accurate. 
I just, I feel like it honestly didn't matter. And I think that was the point he was trying to make. Yeah, that he 100%. Just wanted to, he wanted to showcase these people of color's talents. So mm-hmm. I did like that. Surprisingly, though, considering the fact that it was all a person, people of color cast, I'm surprised it was accepted as well as it was considering the times we're in. I'm just going to say that. And no, leave it no. At that. <laughs> I get, I understand completely. No, I... I I understand. I find what it you're really, really hard to believe that this was accepted so well and so quickly, considering the fact that it was our history told by people of color. Yeah, but that's my two cents. Just sad. I do think that it was a really good idea that they added it to Disney Plus. Oh like, yeah. Like, so I watched the Hamilton in death in death by the undefeated that's mm-hmm. also on Disney Plus. Yeah. And honestly, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. The topics that were all presented in Hamilton are all things that we are still seeing in this country today. So it's they're taking that It's very relevant. <laughs> it's very relevant. <laughs> we don't get we won't get into it too much because it's kind of political at this point, but it is something that we should be constantly thinking about, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. a lot of what I watched today was things that I'm like, "Oh, hey, yeah, this makes sense. Like, we're still struggling with these things today. Yeah. And, you know, we should probably change things. They are very pretty much in the play and even on the short, they were basically saying that you need to fight for the America that they believed in at the time when they were revolting from Britain. Like, Mm -hmm. we still have to do that fight. Mm -hmm. Like, it's up to us as, like, we the people to... Yeah carry out that dream like to not be stagnant in that yeah to not be stagnant and also you can't just rely on your politicians to make it happen you have to voice your opinions so i do think i will watch it again on disney plus i would love to see it in person but like i said broadway is closed yeah rip i think honestly considering the fact that i didn't see it live and Mm -hmm. it was just a show but it was recorded live Mm mm-hmm it's probably one of the better Broadway shows that I've seen. Not the best. I've seen better. Which I know is crazy and people are going to be like, what? There's no, nothing it, better no, than it's Hamilton. True. No, it's true. The set was absolutely phenomenal. Loved everything about it. Considering its start and then evolving into the major production. Like, if you watch the Hamilton in death, like, you learn what, it started as a mixtape. Yeah. Like, that's what it was and then it became this Broadway show and then I just... It was nice. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to say I hate it, but I'm not like, "Oh my god, I'm going to watch it 8 million times." I think what I want to drive home and like what I think about the show is overall this show is just revolutionary, which Absolutely. no no pun intended in using the <laughs> word revolutionary about a show about the American Revolution. But the choice of the cast, the lyrics, the content the way that it is a rap musical was revolutionary at the mm-hmm. time. You you haven't seen, at this point, you hadn't seen something like that on Broadway like this yet. Yes, Lin-Manuel Miranda had written similar things before in the Heights is definitely by far one of the most prominent ones that he's written. Film coming soon starring Anthony Ramos, who was John Lawrence in Hamilton um so very excited about that it was supposed to be out this year but that's obviously not happening um but so lynn was not he was no stranger to writing rap for broadway 
this just exploded. Mm-hmm. Like, completely was revolutionary. You had people listening to this who would have previously said they hated musicals. That's how revolutionary this show was. So is it phenomenal? Is it the best show you've ever seen? No. But Mm -mm. it it revolutionized the way that Broadway is now. Like truly 100%. So you had stuff like this, but it was never to this extent. It never grew in popularity like this did. Um, I agree with you about the person of color perspective. I honestly think that is the most powerful message of this show. I think that powerful of a message especially is very potent in the final song talking about telling your story. Mm-hmm. Like the the saying is who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Like it's it's so true. And I think a lot of the underlying things is there are so many people of color throughout our history that has done amazing things for our country and for humanity. And we don't know about them because people weren't brought up to tell their stories. Um, I also love the juxtaposition of everything in this show. So, like, certain instances is, like, colonial setting, but rap music and lingo and jargon and contemporary hair, but traditional clothes. Um, People of color with historical white persons. Like, just the whole show is one big juxtaposition, and I think that's what makes it really compelling to watch. Mm -hmm. It's like those shows like Dickinson on Apple TV. Like, very contemporary music, but, like, very period piece. Or Marie Antoinette, Kirsten Dunst, or uh, Leo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet. Kind of that same vibe, you know? Um, I live for stuff like that, that, like, smashes two very, like, different periods of history together and like it Mm -hmm. it just works um I think it showed that you don't have to stick to the confines of facts and accuracy in art um which I feel like sometimes that gets a lot of heat but truly art imitates life and what are the what are the messages and themes that we need to learn from that? If we're using rap music as a catalyst because that's tem- contemporary and that's what's going to appeal to the masses, great. We shouldn't be like, oh no, we can't do a American Revolution piece with rap music because they didn't have it back then. You know, like right. You get what I'm saying? Rap. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you can manipulate and change things to give it a fresh perspective. Or get your point across. Um, And honestly, this show is a modern day representation of an American theater dream. Because I remember watching an interview with Lynn on some Broadway news blog. But it was back in 2015. And he had just opened on Off-Broadway. And he was like, yeah, I, I was reading this biography about Alexander Hamilton in the airport. And I was like three chapters in and I was like, man, this is a bomb musical. And he just started writing and he's like, yeah, now, you know, I got a cast and we're on off Broadway and it's so fun. And if we make it to Broadway, great. But if we don't, we're like having fun and living our best like theater dreams. And I just remember thinking like, I hope he makes it. I hope. He gets on Broadway. I hope people love his show. 
And then all of a sudden, it just blow like he makes it to Broadway. It blows up. He releases the cast recording and it literally becomes this worldwide phenomenon. And I just remember sitting back and seeing all of that and thinking like almost taking like a little pride. Like I didn't know him whatsoever. Still Mm -hmm. don't. But I just remember being like, wow, like that is the true like that is a contemporary American dream right there. Like just some guy who read a biography and wrote an award-winning musical literally the next year in 2016, it swept the Tonys. It won 11 Tony Awards, some of them including Best Musical, Best Leading Actor in a Musical, Best Book, Best Score. All four of those. That's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Like... I remember That's when they, like, won so many things. Like, they just, like, swept. Swept, man. Like, swept. So, lastly, Disney Plus, because you brought it up. Disney Plus, they are major geniuses for adding this to their platform. Okay? Literally, they are not dumb. I mean, we didn't think so. They've built a multi-million dollar, like, it community like it's not even a business anymore like it's a way of life obviously we have this podcast um i'm sad that they censored it i get why they did it i understand that it's a family platform what was censored so they have three f words and they were only allowed to keep one Okay, well, that's because chill, this is mainly a children's Which, wh- like I said, I understand why they censored it, but I'm okay. sad that they did. And I'm glad that they didn't censor more of, like, the dicier undertones of well, the show. And I think, honestly, yes, it's nice to be associated with Disney. It's always nice to have Disney behind your name. But more so, this is such a good education tool for kids, like, oh, yeah. my nieces and nephews love this show and will sing it and have learned so much about American history through this show. So I'm, I'm glad that he, I'm glad that he wanted it on a family platform. I understand why he wanted it to be a kid on a, you get what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, um, he wanted it to be acceptable for parents to allow their children to watch it. Right. There are some there are some parents who probably still won't let their kids watch it because Right. Yeah. There's yeah. other curse words. Um, I do think that this is the future. Just like we were saying at the beginning in the news, like streaming is the future. And there is a Broadway app. I do subscribe to it. The there are good productions on there, but honestly, it's not the Hamiltons. It's not the Anastasia's. And I feel like more productions need to release recordings like this. We all know you got them. Okay. We all know you have recordings like this. I feel like especially right now. It should yes. be. Yes. Should absolutely. Be I understand. I understand wanting to preserve the theater experience. But honestly, People who saw Hamilton for the first time when they streamed it are probably going to be more motivated to find a way to go to it in person. 
So by releasing it streamed, you're, I don't think you're killing the theater experience. I think you're allowing more people to fall in love with the theater experience because now you're reaching more people. Not everyone can afford to fly to New York and purchase a ticket. Broadway is expensive. Absolutely. And not, not everyone can justify that. And And you know what? Not everybody is initially attracted to Broadway. Like, there are going to be some people who see this streaming of Hamilton who thought that they didn't like Broadway, and now they realize that it's actually enjoyable. Like, you're reaching so many more. And think about all of the future artists that you're going to touch by streaming that otherwise would not have had the exposure to that just for a multitude of circumstances. You know? Yeah, and that's what in the in the in depth thing it was like they were talking about like this is we need to get this to the masses and mm-hmm. it needs to be like that everywhere. Let's talk about our favorite characters and which actor stood out to you the most. <sighs> okay, is it David? David. David. Okay. Yep. I- like French David. Okay, David. Phonetically. <laughs> yes, it is spelled very phonetically, so I was like, I didn't know how it was pronounced. Yeah. David Diggs as Lafayette. Oh, love of my life. He is so dreamy. I love him. He so was great. I love to look at him. The talent that came out of that man in this movie, I I, I, I mean, in this show, like, I was very impressed. So I did not know that he played two characters. Spoiler alert. Oh, he funny was story great. About John. He was great as Lafayette, and then when he transformed into Thomas Jefferson, it was so on par. It was amazing. I mm-hmm. love the humor he brought to the character, like both characters, just in general. Also, I'm obsessed obsessed with Jonathan Groff. So, like, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, he is amazing. He literally makes this show. I. Like, his character is just, it's weird because, like, I do see him as Kristoff. Yeah. But the fact that I got to see him in another type of character, and to be honest, like, I knew his personality because I have watched interviews with, between him and Josh Gad and just the, the like, joking going he back and so forth. He is so goofy, like, It's very lighthearted. goofy. Yeah. And it's very, it's pretty much shown in Hamilton, so it's great. His take on King George is so Lord Farquaad to me absolutely like it's so lord Farquaad to me i which i live for it anytime like like the dead pan but like panic singing spitting but like the dead eyes is just like very lord Farquaad. it's so good i i laughed like the entire time he was on camera um probably the two actresses that like really stood out to me was Renee Goldsberry, who plays mm. Angelica, and Philippa Sue, who plays Eliza. Mm-hmm. They literally stood out to me just because of the sheer voice octaves that they could produce on stage. Yeah. I would love to be able to hear them live. Yeah. Philippa Sue reminds me a lot of Indina Mandel. Yeah. Like, in the way that she can carry her voice. And Renee Goldsberry just, she's she has a very unique sound She is to her. a powerhouse. Yeah, she's got some lungs. Like, she's just powerful. (laughs) She is very powerful. Now, on the other hand, this is an unpopular opinion, and I know it's an unpopular opinion because people worship Lin-Manuel Miranda. 
but he cannot sing. <laughs> when you get like me and you get on the Broadway side of TikTok, it's not that unpopular of an opinion. Okay, there well, are some funny TikToks of people doing impressions of him singing in Hamilton, and I need to send them to you now that you've you seen do. the real you one. Do. So, so I can now get on the Broadway yeah. side of TikTok. I'm not on yeah. that side. I'm on the Disney side still. I'm pretty deep into the Broadway TikTok. I'm on right the Disney now. and pet side. So that's fair. That's that's it. That's um, fair. He also cannot dance. There was a reason why his parts did not have a lot of dancing, and then when he danced. For a second, I understood why it was really bad, and I can't dance, and I'm telling you I could probably dance better than him. He did his best, though. I will say that. And he's so much better on recorded track, and we talked about this earlier. Yeah, he is. But I will give him this. He is an artistic genius. Literally. The lines and lyrics that he has produced is top-notch. We'll get into the symbolism and theories later on. Please <laughs> and you'll see just how truly this- genius it is. <laughs> Keep bringing us quality content, my friend. Literally. Will I download the Hamilton track now? Maybe. You should. Most likely. So my favorite character is definitely 1000% Lafayette Jefferson. So good. Such good characters. Davi Diggs. Yeah, love of my life. I love the two unique differences that he gives to both characters. Um... Yes, he's the same guy, but he is he gives him two very distinct personas. And so you can compartmentalize, okay, it might be the same actor, but it's two very different characters. So much so that the first time we watched it, which was July 3rd when it came out, John had never listened to the soundtrack, never seen the characters. Never seen pictures of this set. Like, completely went to the show blind. (laughs) The second act starts and Jefferson's introduced and he's doing his big number of what did I miss? And John looks at me with all sincerity and goes, this guy is so talented. Why did they keep him backstage for the first half of the show? And I was, I thought he was joking. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, literally, why? Like, why would you waste someone like that? And I was like, that's the dude that played Lafayette. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, the only difference is a costume change and his hair isn't in a ponytail anymore. And it just blew John's mind that it was the same guy. But honestly, I feel like that's the sign of a really, truly like good skilled actor when people like when don't even realize that it's the everything. same dude. Yeah. <laughs> when a ponytail changes everything. Yeah. Um, of course, Angelica is another one of my faves. She's such an inspiring, strong feminist character. And like we were saying before, Renee Goldsberry's voice is killer. Like, come on. Jonathan Groff as King George is iconic. Just iconic. The Anytime character I picture King George, it's gonna be Jonathan Groff. It's now. just gonna be Jonathan Groff. The character is like the perfect dose of comedic relief in this very angsty show. <laughs> My personal dream role, I know this wasn't a question, but I'm gonna say it anyway, is absolutely Aaron Burr. Um, and Lynn Manuel has said before that he would love the concept of casting women as the founding fathers. So I think that might be a chance. Like I might actually have a chance of being Aaron Burr. 
I just think he's the perfect anti-antagonist. Like, you can tell he's meant to be the villain in the show, but, like, in the end, he's not, and he's really relatable, and you almost like him more than you like Hamilton. Like, you're like, I relate to this guy. I get it, you know? Like, it's annoying when people are around me that don't try as hard, and they just, like, yeah, well, that's fair. I'm pretty – this is a deep cut. Um (laughs) – Lastly, another love of my life, Jordan Fisher, happily ever after. He played Lawrence slash Philip Hamilton in the second round of the cast, and he was fire. There are some pirated, uh, not pirated, but like illegally recorded footage of him on Broadway. So like search pretty deep and you can find it. He was fire. Um, but I also really ship him as Burr. I think he would be an amazing Burr if it ever comes back. Broadway ever comes back um Jonathan wanted me to add that his favorite is George Washington (laughs) uh which he's very high on my list as well I think Christopher Jackson is by far one of the strongest male voices in the cast um I feel like him Mm -hmm. and Leslie Odom Jr. are probably the two strong and Jonathan Groff those three are probably pretty neck and neck for strong male vocals so I asked I added the question, what's your favorite song? And Sarah Beth's reply was... Uh, Not sure. I mean, I've only seen this once, and it was literally a couple hours ago, so I'm not really too familiar with songs. (laughs) I mean, what was the one that, like, was the most bop? I feel like the intro, because it was just like, yeah, Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. No, it's true. That is a bop. No, such a bop. I don't actually know... Like, I was listening to the songs, but literally the whole thing is a musical. So, it kind of all blends together the first time you watch it. Just well, FYI. For context, my favorite is Wait For It. It's I don't even know. I don't even remember what that song is. That is the one that Burr sings when, when? he... <laughs> I was going to tell you. What part? Like, after, after Hamilton gets married to Eliza and Burr shows up. And they out Burr for sleeping with that British soldier's wife. I wish you could see her face because she, her -hmm. face looks like I just spoke in another language. Okay. So I do remember that he was in love with a British general's wife. Mm -hmm. He was sleeping with her. Right. And they had a baby together. Did you get that? That was explained. No, that was explained in the musical. Mm -hmm. Was that neck too? The song where they're singing to their children, him and Hamilton. Uh-huh. Burr is singing to his daughter and oh. Hamilton singing to his son. Okay, so that was technically act two. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss my, my thoughts Technically, on it's one. act one, but technically that song is in act one. Okay. She That's looks a- like I'm speaking a different language. I don't, like, I don't remember did it. Did you watch Hamilton today? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Let's talk about it, because actually this is perfectly segues into this next thing. Because you were talking about Act 1 and Act 2. Technically, that song, the song is called Dear Theodosia. They're singing to their children. Yes. That is technically Act 1. I think truly that the weakest spot, the question is, what do you think is the weak spot in the show? In my opinion, it's the split of the acts. Because I (laughs) I think Act 1 should end in the song the world turned upside down which is the end of the revolutionary war 
Act but, one is the Revolutionary War. Act two is trying to get the country up and running. So it makes no sense to me that they split the show in history has its eyes on you. We've already, like, they've had their children. They sang Dear Theodosia. They're already in more mature costume. You can tell that they're not the angsty, like, Mm -hmm. rebels that were fighting in the Revolutionary War. They're now very prestigious lawyers in New York. And then they cut it into Act 2. I think that's really, I, I just think it's so weak. And it's probably my biggest critique about this show because... The natural cut is when the Revolutionary War ends, in my opinion. That just makes Mm -hmm. the most sense to me. It's strange to age up a character for two songs and then split the act. I I agree with that. It was was really, it was rough. It was forced to end it on History Has Its Eye on You. It's very and it and like go back now that I'm saying this and watch it. It's very. Oh no! Forced. I remember like I remember watching it earlier and then noticing that it was yeah. like intermission for a minute. Yeah. and I was just like, okay, yeah. That's where you're it just end? seems like such a weird time to split it. Like they should should have either cut it earlier mm-hmm. or cut it later. Yeah, like it was just that spot was just not right. Yeah. So I think honestly the weak spot in the show for me is that Act Two is not as strong as Act One. Agreed. I wasn't really invested in Act Two like I was in Act One. Agreed. I kind of really lost interest at the end just because like it it felt like and I hate this because I've seen this in other shows as well. Act two is so rushed because they're trying to hurry up and get to the end tie all the loose ends (laughs) tie all the loose ends and they only have an hour to do it but there's so much information i noticed that when i like i said when i watched mean girls i felt Mm -hmm. like that happened as well yeah mean girls is another great example of that act two was very rushed yeah and like it did like i was lost Mm -hmm. because of the fact that like i kind of wasn't really interested in anymore like it wasn't keeping my attention Mm -hmm. as well as act one did yeah and the fact that they were rushing and kind of speeding through a lot of things like i was like i don't even know what's happening anymore yeah so that's that's my thing yeah i agree with you 100 percent. i wanted to fact check some things that happened in the musical that kind of didn't really happen in real life and Mm -hmm. like i said the timelines were a little bit jumbled and i feel like a lot of this happened in act two if you don't know, I am a little bit of a history buff, so to speak. It, it really honestly was one of my favorite subjects in school and kind of being a hi- history teacher crossed my mind a couple times, but then I was like, nah. Um, so I'm going to reference the site called spokesman.com. I, I kind of rushed and found this site because I was just like Hamilton fact checking because I just wanted to see if someone actually did it. So mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure if this site is actually like legit and things. But honestly, it does give you a little, a few points that you're like, if you go back and know history in general, you're like, yeah, that's right. Like, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so these are kind of the key points that were a little off from the musical to real life because there's a lot of people who don't really like history, but they're going to mm-hmm. watch Hamilton. And yeah, I don't want you to believe that this is all extremely historically accurate. Right. I know, mm-hmm. I know LMN Tried to be as historically L-M-M. accurate. L M M. L M M. That's what I said. No, you said N M. I said L M M. Okay. 
We got the playback. Okay. Okay. Lynn. We'll just go with Lynn. Uh, wanted it to be. Um, so based pretty much other than the fact that literally the cast was minorities. So um, one I'm of the just going to be providing my two cents in this section. So. Yeah, Kennedy's going to provide her two cents. Um, a lot For of only things- some of them. I didn't do all of them. So it is true. And if you watch the whole thing, it is true that Hamilton was a member of the New York Manu- Manumission Society, um, formed in 1785, and basically it was it advocated for the gradual emancipation of slaves in the state. But <coughs> before he moved to America, Hamilton worked for a slave trading company in St. Croix. Mm-hmm. Louisiana LSU history professor... Eisenberg says Hamilton himself once bought two slaves for $250. Mind you, he bought people for $250. That is less than the new iPhone. Let's put that in perspective. Yeah. So, one of the things that Eisenberg told the Associated Press, like, imagine if one of the songs in the musical was $250. That would make everyone in the audience squirm and scream and it would completely undermine the heroic message and progressive Hamilton that they wanted and they craved. And that's pretty much what I felt like this entire musical was about, was how progressive Hamilton was and he was not. That's actually quite interesting because I didn't get that first impression of it and a lot of people didn't either. Like, Lauren's was absolutely, like, 100%, like, fighting from the get-go to end slavery right off the bat. And I think I think if you look in-depth into Hamilton personally, like, he was an immigrant to French Polynesia and was dirt poor, was a child out of wedlock, and really did benefit from the backs of slaves the slave traders literally raised money with their slave money to send him to the colonies to go to school. So I'm not denying the fact that he was part of the slave trade. Um, I think he was very conflicted about it, though, which is why he was part of the manumission society later on. And I'm, he, he married a Schuyler sister. That's a very prominent family in New York that owned several slaves. <laughs> Like, I think, like, 30-plus slaves, uh, if I remember right. I think I actually... No, I didn't take that, but yes. Um, so, to yeah, say that he, had he a lot did of slaves. not benefit from the slave trade is inaccurate. I think, however, that this is a perfect example that Hamilton is such a flawed character, as well as all of our other founding fathers... Let me say it louder for the people in the back. Especially in my job, I see a lot of people, a lot of Americans that have a tendency to place our founding fathers on pedestals like gods. And we truly need to remember that these were flawed people and flawed people can do great things and have good intentions, but that doesn't mean that they are perfect and that we should deny their humanity and the mistakes that they made. Agreed. And so I will add to that. I do like the way that George Washington was portrayed because Mm -hmm. everyone is just like, George Washington was this great man. 
The fact of the matter is, and even in the way he was portrayed in the musical, he said it himself, I'm not the man everyone thinks I am. Mm -hmm. I can't be this leader. And you actually got to see a little bit of that conflict. Yeah, absolutely. And which was great because if you honestly, you sit there and you read about George Washington in a history book, none of that is portrayed whatsoever. Right. He is portrayed as this great, brave man that like went into battle head on. And that's not even the case. Right. So that's interesting. No, I agree. Which segues perfectly into the next one that you have because Uh Tommy Jeff is another great example. Like, yes, the man wrote the Declaration of Independence. Okay, you know, but let's talk about the fact. To be honest, (laughs) actually, he really didn't. That's a fun story. He's another one. Like, can we talk about how the fact that this man coined the phrase "all men are created equal" and yet he owned slaves and denied women their rights? I'm just saying, just saying, he's a little bit of a stinker. A little bit. Which you see in the musical. He's you a stinker do. in the musical. You do. And it's and it's so funny because Dick's portrayal of him makes him seem like almost like an impractical joker. And I think it was just like, he was just an a-hole. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, I mean, he, he was as sassy in the in the musical as he was in real life like he was very sassy he was very passionate he was a playboy like he was notoriously a playboy he even fathered several children's with one of his enslaved women that he owned quote-unquote owned named sally which they reference her in the musical as well very briefly Mm -hmm. um but that very much was what he was known for in his community of peers And I think we forget that when we, like now, we just are taught about the man that, the iconic man that wrote the Declaration of Independence, when in reality, he was a real person that like, had a very strong personality and and some people hated him for it. Hamilton included, they hated each other. Right. And I mean, and I think honestly, because it's, this is from Hamilton's perspective, it does give the impression that Thomas Jefferson spent the Revolutionary War in Paris and that's not even true. He no, was, not at he all, was actually. Um, Jefferson actually spent the war in the Continental Congress as governor of Virginia. Like, that's how much Hamilton hated him so much because he just forgot that piece of information. Well, because Hamilton was you either fight or you're doing nothing. So I didn't really know about the Schuyler sisters or anything like that. Like, we mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't know about any of that because yeah okay first of all because of the fact that it was like a love affair and things like we were not taught that because that was just like a big no-no very taboo um angelica schuyler's relationship with hamilton is exaggerated greatly Mm -hmm. in the musical compared to real life in the show she tells him her obligation is to marry a rich man because her father has no sons in fact their father had 15 children including two sons Mm-hmm. I like how in the musical, it literally... It's just three of them. <laughs> just three of them. There was 15 children. The real reason that Angelica couldn't marry Hamilton is because she was already married with two children of her own. Yeah. She married, she married the guy that she was married to. His last name was Church. She eloped with him. It was actually a pretty feminist story. She just like secretly eloped with him. And he was actually going by an alias at the time because he had a warrant out for his arrest. <laughs> so you like know, that in of itself is like a wild story. 
But at the same time, you can only focus on so many sub stories. Yeah. 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 They actually historically did have a very affectionate way of speaking to each other in letters. So a lot of historians think that they truly did have an affair. It's just not provable. You know, like all they have is the letters to go on. Right. I mean, no Um, one was there at the time. (laughs) Right. <laughs> um, Trineau, which is the author of the biography that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda read that inspired him to write the musical, his sentence that he wrote was, the attraction between Hamilton and Angelica was so potent and obvious that many people assumed they were lovers. Where Eliza bowed reluctantly to the social demands of Hamilton's career, Angelica applauded his ambitions and was always famished for the news of his latest political exploits. So most, traditionally most historians believe that there was some sort of affair going on between them. Um, Yeah, I think so too. I would totally. Because of the line that, because of satisfied, I do remember that part. Because of the fact that they were attracted to each other, like, not, like, physically, but more mentally. Intellectually, yeah. Yes, intellectually. Speaking of all the affairs, in the show, Jefferson, Madison, and Burr approach Hamilton about his affair. In fact, it was actually James Monroe and two others. Monroe was actually a very close friend of Jefferson, and in 1797, journalist James T. Callender wrote and distributed a pamphlet accusing Hamilton of infidelity and of a financial scheme which damaged Hamilton's reputation. Hamilton then blamed Monroe for leaking the story of his affair. So my thoughts on this are not about the historical accuracy. It's just about the interpretation of the musical. One, notice this today, but Philip is actually up in the rafters eavesdropping on the conversation where Burr, um, Jefferson, and um Madison confront Hamilton about the affair mm-hmm. so I honestly think that when you catch it like I did I just randomly caught it um you see that this is the beginning of the end for Philip I d- I just didn't I had never seen him before up in the rafter and he is for sure sitting there just chilling listening to the conversation um just because child. right the affair doesn't affect him directly, but at the same time, it leads to the Reynolds pamphlet, which leads to society thinking of Hamilton more as a scoundrel, which then creates the catalyst for Philip to feel like he has to defend his dad, which ultimately leads to the duel that kills him. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was interesting. I also love how it's Mariah Reynolds that hands the pin quill to Hamilton when he is singing about writing the Reynolds pamphlet. Notice that as well today. Um, And also, I just love the queen that Angelica is when she shows up and Hamilton's like, oh, yay, someone that's on my side. And she's like, I ain't here for you. Yeah, I didn't didn't notice that. And that was, that was was great. Yeah, that's my fave. Anyway, just had that, those remarks. (laughs) This is (laughs) nothing about history. (laughs) And this is where I feel like at the time, at this time, they are trying to be a little more, this is very un, unfeminist-ish when it comes to Eliza's character. In this show, Eliza leaves Hamilton after the news of his fair is made public. 
but in the book makes it clear that Eliza was more angry with those who revealed the affair than she was with Hamilton himself. Another interesting thing about the 2004 biography that Hamilton, Hamilton, <laughs> that Hamilton wrote, he came back that Lin-Manuel read, <laughs> um, the author writes that Eliza destroyed her own letters to Hamilton. So we still can see what Hamilton wrote to her. We just can't see what she wrote back to him. Mm-hmm. Reasons remain unknown. Like it's literally not confirmed that she was like emotionally checked out or angry that he had the affair. Um, which is why I really like the way that Lynn wrote the song that she sings burn because mm-hmm. the line the line addresses this. It says, the world has no right to my heart. The world has no place in our bed, and they don't get to know what I said. Um, yeah, I just love that. That song's amazing. Philippa Sue shines. Chef's kiss, literally. She's phenomenal. So this was a thing. And honestly, this completely changes. It doesn't con- change the ending of the musical, but it definitely... It kind of does at the same time because this timeline does not make any sense. In the show, Hamilton endorses Jefferson during a tie vote in the 1800 presidential election that puts Jefferson rather than Burr in the White House in a landslide. I mean, technically it can't be like a landslide because it was a tie. Um, This honestly leads Burr to challenge to to what would be a fatal duel. That's basically what the show Mm -hmm. is saying. Mm -hmm. This was a completely different election. (laughs) And also in a different year that led to the duel. I feel like they completely just took this part out. Burr actually ran for governor of New York in 1804. And this lost the election, but it came out later that Hamilton had written his father-in-law. Also, this was a big piece of information that was left out. That Burr was a dangerous man and one who ought to not be trusted with the reins of government. Hamilton's letter was leaked to the Albany Register's newspaper. And naturally... Burr was not amused. No. Um, so basically, Hamilton and Burr exchanged number of letters, which is fairly accurately depicted in the number Your Obedient Servant. Mm-hmm. So that was really, that was, that was more on point to what actually happened in the timeline and shown in the musical is what exchanged to the duel that killed Hamilton. Right. So they, I, I partly agree and disagree with what you're saying. Because, so, most historians believe that Burr thought if he beat Hamilton in the duel, it would revive his dying political career. Which, obviously, spiraled after Hamilton endorses Jefferson. Um, So, then he abandoned the Republican Party to run as an independent during the governor race that you're talking about. And Hamilton convince all of the New York Federalists, which was the political party that Hamilton belonged to at the time, not to endorse Burr as governor. And that is what led to Burr being like, meet me outside. Yeah, um, but in the, in the show, it made it seem after the president, like they missed that whole part. Right. I get what you're saying, which is why I say I, I kind of agree, but I disagree. Because honestly, that presidential election was not the main reason but it was a large reason. <laughs> yeah, I think Burr okay. resented Hamilton until the presidential election. And then I think that honestly was a large snapping point. Because like I said, his his career tanked. Like, yes, he was the vice president, but by default. Because at that time, 
the loser of the election was vice president. <laughs> so it's not like he even got to be vice president because Jefferson wanted him to be. Burr was the vice president to Jefferson? I thought that was Adams. Yeah, it was Burr. Really? Okay, see, you know what? Because that's You're how right. it was at the time. So, welcome to the part in the podcast, the last Where section. Katie is just going to talk together because I No, have I want one. your two cents. <laughs> okay. This is the part in our show where Katie talks about theories slash strategic theater symbolism. Welcome. Thing that Sarah does not really understand because it's been a very long time since I've taken a class about this and I don't have a bachelor's in theater. <laughs> it got me nowhere, so don't feel bad. Um, <clears throat> hey, it's great podcast content. That is that is fair. Um, <laughs> That's what it was for. <laughs> That's all that it was for. Um so one fan theory that I really like and I kind of believe in is the number of songs mirror the age where two very prominent characters die because Hamilton has 47 songs in the track and Hamilton died at the age of 47 and Philip is only present for 19 of those songs and died at the age of 19. Lynn, are you a genius? Are you more of a genius than we thought you were? Did you do that on purpose? Probably. I need to know. <laughs> the next one is, uh, I would classify it more as like symbolism. The whole resounding theme of this show is Hamilton shot. <laughs> I, I just, la- I'm laughing on the inside because I just read it. <laughs> <clears throat> the whole resounding theme is Hamilton constantly telling himself, don't miss your shot. And Burr is constantly telling himself, wait for it, wait for the right time. How ironic is it that Hamilton sings the whole musical and then dies because he doesn't take his shot. And the one time Hamilton throws away his shot, Burr doesn't wait for it. Yeah, because at the end, uh, Hamilton shot in the air, right? Because it's the yeah. same thing he told Philip because he was like, Where you? Blah, 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 whatever. Exactly. Stupid. You should he tells Philip not to throw away his shot too, and Philip and does, he and he's dead. Side. Yep, okay. that's that's funny, and I guarantee you that that was thought of symbolism. Counting to ten in the first act versus Philip's death, we should have known that Philip was going to die in a duel, even if you didn't know about Philip Hamilton when he was counting with Eliza in his first song, because in the first act. They associated counting to 10 with duels. And if you look at the musical notes of it, Phillips counting to 10 is an octave higher, but the same medley, the same melody as the 10 dual commandments. Okay. Yes. I did notice that as well, but that's Boom. a very far reach. I feel. Do you think? Kind of. Okay. Because... Okay. Well, granted, I watched this once, people. So don't come at me. <laughs> it was a completely different character. Okay. Now, here's the thing. It was the same character who played the person who was counting and Philip. Same thing. Yeah. Got that. Am I no, wrong? No, no, no. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is when we heard Philip counting, uh-huh. we should have said, we should have been like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, not that he was singing in the first act, but, like, oh. they've set us up to associate counting with the duel, and we should have heard that tune, but an octave higher, and thought, hmm, 
but kind of like a foreshadowing almost do you get what i'm saying i do but like i can't grasp it because like i don't that's why because it was it was um oh my god what was his name the philip in act one what was his name what was his character's name lawrence Lawrence. (laughs) okay lawrence and it was the other guy the general whatever his name was generally generally Yes, but like I feel like it was an octave higher because he was a younger character. No, no, it was. It was. But I'm like, saying I'm confused. Like I don't get how you got to that point. So disregard the fact that the same actor plays these two characters. Right. When musicals are written, the overture plays in the beginning, right? Uh-huh. Because it's meant for you to hear all of the melodies and themes of the musical and then it triggers remembrance throughout the musical think of it like the counting was the overture to the death of like kind of like foreshadowing when we heard him counting oh because we heard you know it what I'm again saying? we heard yes. it again oh my god i don't know why okay yes it is 11 so like, o'clock at night at my time so so like disregard the same actor it think of it almost as like an overture it's the fact that he we heard it again yes and then again gotcha yes okay we're cooking with gas (laughs) (laughs) all right it's 11 o'clock guys i'm tired next one the symbolism when the tablecloth changes from red to a blue table underneath when burr is singing about the room where it happens definitely is the deciding moment when he's like i'm gonna run as a democratic republican right don't didn't catch that. <laughs> but these are the things you see when you watch it multiple times. Absolutely. It absolutely I, I is. I never caught this. Well, this next one is not my own theory, but I really liked it. I just read an article about it. Um, it was an article where they were interviewing Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Burr. And he... So it's obvious that Burr is the narrator of the show, okay? And he's one of the only characters, apart from Hamilton a couple times, Eliza at the end during cabinet meetings and King George, that regularly breaks the fourth wall, which if you don't know what the fourth wall is, think of a stage as a square and the closest line of the square to the audience, you're taught as an actor to look over the audience's head because it kind of creates this fantasy where you're watching something instead of involved in something the minute you make eye contact with somebody they're involved in it they're not just strictly watching it so it's very intentional if a director slash writer chooses to let an actor break that fourth wall and look at the audience so leslie odom jr said he thinks of the musical as burr's purgatory where the only thing he can do is relive the story He doesn't know what he has to learn. So he tells the story more. He tells the story one more time to sort everything out. I think he has to learn that the world was both wide enough for Hamilton and him. Because that's what he keeps singing at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought I thought that was really interesting that Leslie Odom Jr. thought of it that way. And kind of when you do think about it, it really kind of does make sense. Yeah, I think if I would go back and watch it, knowing this, like, knowing this theory, like, you can mm-hmm. see it, I honestly felt Eliza at the end, I agree with you on that, because we're going to go into another one that I absolutely agree with you, and I noticed okay. that. Okay, I was going to ask what you thought about I, it. I, 
I agree with that. I was going to ask what your opinion was. Especially when, like, she cries. Mm-hmm. Was that happens at the end? Yeah. Um, that, that's when I realized. Okay. So, last one. This is a theory that has floated through the Broadway community for a long time now. I completely agree with it. I absolutely mm-hmm. think that it is 100% what happens. Of course, Eliza's infamous gasp at the end is a very discussed topic. And it's very jarring to end the show that way, mm-hmm. especially for people who are not very familiar with Broadway productions or just theater in general. With not um, expecting it to end like that, though. Right. Because traditionally, the Shreks, the Wicked's, the Lion Kings end with a nicely tied bow. Some mm-hmm. sort of triumphant song at the end. And everyone is happy, jolly. Get what I'm saying? This is not very much like that. Yes, it is a very triumphant song at the end, but it's definitely not a bow. It's not a perfectly tied bow. So, in the last song, the theory is, which I wholeheartedly agree with, and apparently Sarah Beth does too, Lin-Manuel Miranda is no longer playing Hamilton. He comes out on, and you can look back. This His is also persona, after he's, this is after he's been shot. Yes, 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 yes. So there last, is, that's the, last that's, musical number. That's the, that's where you notice it. Because yes. you're just like, why is he back? Yes. And his persona completely changes. Mm-hmm. Like, literally go back and watch it. Like, you can tell. He's more warm, very, like, precious Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay? So I think he's playing himself. Mm-hmm. He leads Eliza up to the fourth wall. And lets her break it to see that he told her story. Because without her, we wouldn't know Hamilton's story. And let's talk about the fact that it's not called Alexander Hamilton, an American musical. It's called Hamilton, an American musical. Mm-hmm. Just saying. She sings about avoiding the spotlight, but ends the show literally in the spotlight. So that's a great parallel as well. And she constantly sings about Hamilton letting her be a part of the narrative. And in the end, she is the only narrative that we have. Mm-hmm. She's the only insight that we yeah, have. Yeah, the last song is very, very much at the end. Talks about who's going to tell your story. Mm-hmm. And and I want to say some of the lyrics is I'm going to continuously tell your story, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of goes from there. And yeah, that's when you see that break the fourth wall, right? And things. So Lin Manuel has heard this theory, but he has neither confirmed nor denied the accuracy of this theory. So I'm choosing to believe that it's legit. I feel like it's just some an people egg. exactly. Some people choose to interpret the gasp as. She is dying and is now being reunited with Hamilton in the afterlife. Um, mm-hmm. I think my theory I is can better. See, I can see <laughs> how you can interpret it that way. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that the way Lynn presents himself and just yes. kind of how they come. Like, that's not Hamilton. You can tell that he broke his character. Yep. I don't know. I literally can talk about Broadway all day. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more about me ranting about symbolism and costume design and different interpretations, 
leave us a rate and review and tell us to do more Broadway episodes because I would live for that, honestly. Sarah Beth would probably be like, Katie, just shut up. I don't ever want to. No, this I is, honestly like. This is late. You talk about way too much. Well, it's but you didn't, you didn't tell me to shut up and I told you you were I allowed to. You to so because I feel, that's a good friend. I feel like these are the type of episodes like they're they're going to be few and far between. Mm-hmm. because I can tell you right now there's only going to be one person who listens to this who is going to lose their mind, and it's going to be Caitlyn. And <laughs> not you, Caitlyn, but the other Caitlyn. Right. Like, she's going to freak out because she loves Hamilton as well and also yeah. enjoys these types of things. So it's this is a type of episode where we need to go a little bit longer and have, yeah. I mean, our recording is looking at two hours and 40 minutes right now. Yeah. So... You know, these are the type of episodes where I will let you go on a little bit more. And it also, it gives us a little bit more meat to talk about and discuss. Yeah, that's true. Rather than just like, let's talk about packing lists. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. Like, we're we're fairly well-rounded individuals. Yeah. It's just how I feel about it. So I wanted to rant and rave. And the, these theories, honestly, like, were great to think about and if you've seen Hamilton like these are good things to think about yeah they're also really interesting to go back and watch and just kind of notice and now that you know these and yeah notice right because see if you agree see if you think it's yeah. Eliza in the afterlife versus what I think it's Eliza realizing that her story is actually told I feel you know like, like that one's the big like the big one that one is for do. sure the big and that because the gasp notice. is so jarring yeah, that's the one that you can honestly <clears throat> notice easily. The one about the Leslie Odom's theory, that's a little harder. You kind of have to you kind of have to know your way around musicals and yes. shows to understand that. Yes. Same thing with like the changing from the red to the blue. That's something mm-hmm. that you have to watch musicals for. Yeah. Look, I watch musicals all the time and I knew what you were talking about, but I still couldn't understand the Phillips death thing just because it wasn't clicking and then, no i get that yeah. same thing with like the hamilton shot and then the number of songs like if you don't watch musicals or shows like you're never gonna get that but yeah. eliza's gas like first thing like i watched it once and got it yeah <clears throat> yeah so we hope you enjoyed this week's episode we will be back with another one on monday it won't be this long i promise, we promise. and i won't i won't pop off i apologize you just let me talk about Broadway for as long as I want, and it just goes you know, downhill, You man. let me talk about puppy breath earlier, so. You know, that is fair. <laughs> it's a give-and-take relationship. <laughs> you, talk about, you talk about Broadway, I talk about puppy breath. <laughs> well, we hope you have a great rest of your week, and remember to stay magical. Well, that was it for today. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We drop new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Everything will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.